Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Tigers in 20. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. Uh, no, it's been a couple weeks since we've done a podcast. Obviously, not much going on in the sports world, but we're back today to tr- to try and provide as much relief and entertainment as we possibly can. No, everyone's stuck in the house, uh, extremely bored during this quarantine, uh, and for Brooks specifically, with two small kids and trying to work from home, I know it's been tough. So, Brooks, uh, what, what's it been like the past couple of weeks for you? I'm I'm clinging to the very threads of my sanity. Um, it's interesting trying to work from home and now becoming a school teacher in in moments where you get away from work and keeping an eight and a four year old from killing each other. It's it's definitely interesting. So um, I don't know if you can hear it, but for the first time, and I don't know how long, my house is quiet. My wife had a an errand that she could run with the kids in the car that allows for social distancing. So I'm at home, alone, in the peace and quiet. So <laughs> Christian, we are using my moment of sanity to record a podcast and ramble. What are we going to talk about, man? I, I think we're just going to kind of shoot the shit today, right? Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, like we've said, there's there's not much to talk about. Obviously, no games or anything going on, so we just kind of got to roll with what we got to roll with. Uh, what did they? When did? How long did they extend the dead period? Like May thirty first, I think. All the way through the end of May, which is crazy. Right. Yeah, and it's it, it's it, it's interesting because it's actually something that you called like. As soon as this stuff happened, I think it was the day the conference tournaments got canceled. You were already looking way past, you know, what was happening in the now into the future. And you're like, man, the spring evaluation period could get messed up. The recruiting period could get messed up. This could be wacky. And it it definitely has gotten that way. I mean, basically no spring evaluation period. Obviously, if the dead period goes all the way to June uh, and it makes things very, very interesting because there's never there's never been anything like this, you know, in the history of sports. <laughs> it's it's messed up recruiting games. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about, you know, what's happened in only a few weeks and and what all is has gone from the sports world. Yeah, I mean, just the the day that all of this happened, I think my first thought was, God, what is this going to do to unsigned seniors like these dudes that. Um, you know, really needed the late period to be able to be evaluated and possibly be bumped from a low major kid to a mid-major kid or a mid-major kid to a high major kid or even just get a scholarship offer, period. And, you know, just to me, let, let's just look at a guy that Memphis was evaluating just to start out. Uh, Memphis was evaluating a, a class of 2020 guy from the Baltimore area named Brandon Murray. We talked about him in VIP for weeks and weeks, you know, probably for about two months now. And Brandon Murray is a kid that had basically one offer from Towson leading up to his senior season and had a tremendous senior year. He actually went off against IMG Academy, helped uh, his his high school team beat IMG in a tournament. 
And he's a kid that could have gone from a mid-major, you know, he was low major, barely struggling to get offers, started moving into that mid-major range, and schools were wanting to evaluate him in the late evaluation period. Well, it, it turns out that schools like Ole Miss, Memphis, uh, and even some others, Virginia Tech, Virginia, were wanting to evaluate him, possibly bring him on visits. He was actually set to visit Memphis at the end of March when he was going to take his official visit to Ole Miss. But guess what? Schools like Memphis could not wait. Schools like Ole Miss started taking grad transfers instead of unknown commodities as unsigned seniors. So, you know, Brenda Murray now goes to a list of Rhode Island, ETSU, DePaul, Georgetown, and and the, you know, really, I mean, I guess you could argue that Georgetown from a historical perspective is a high major, but the only high major power five conference school remaining in his recruitment now because he just had to whittle it down is Georgia. So he went from having the opportunity to be seen by a bunch of high major programs in the ACC, the SEC, to now just uh, being relegated to a mid-major, which is really interesting that it happens now on the verge of the NCAA potentially allowing transfers without sit-outs. And why is that interesting, Christian? You want to take a guess? Um, because a lot of schools get graduate transfers. I mean, it, it, this is, I was literally about to ask you about this because I've been reading about it all day uh, since the new, different news outlets have been kind of talking about it and saying they expect it to happen. And it completely changes the college basketball landscape. Like, I think on the front end of it, people don't realize how big of a deal it is, but I think I saw something today that said there's like 540 – uh, players in the transfer portal right now uh, that's that is a ton of players that could be immediately eligible and I know probably around half of those 40 percent of those are graduate transfers that would be immediately eligible anyway but you think about all these guys uh, especially guys that Memphis is after you know guys that played one year or two years at a school and now they could potentially go play right away it's it's crazy to think about so I mean it it's it's odd. It's changing the landscape of everything, and that could be. I mean, that could make make next season unlike any other season we've ever seen before. It's it's crazy to think about. Well, and this is the other interesting part of it. The grad transfer right now is the free transfer. You you get to move to a new school, move up a level, move down a level, and you you don't have to sit out. But in the future. Right on the you know heels of the weirdest spring and summer evaluation period ever, where schools are going to misevaluate guys that should be high major go mid major just because they're like I need an offer. Now all of a sudden, in a year, in two years, when kids that are misevaluated during COVID nineteen that fall up a level or fall down a level inappropriately they've now got a free pass. So Brandon Murray, when he goes to you know, Rhode Island and averages 18 and, and 6 as a sophomore, he now has the chance to move and not have to wait until his junior year. So it's while COVID-19 is completely messing up a lot of unsigned seniors, 
the NCAA regulation to, to be able to transfer without set out is going to open up the opportunity for schools to shift and say, hey, we took a chance on this guy. We didn't really get a chance to evaluate him as fully as we liked, and he didn't really pan out. So now we, we kick the tires. We don't like what we, we got. So we're going to move him to another school. We're going to give him the opportunity to go to another school that's more appropriate, maybe down a level or down two levels. And the same goes for players. They now have a free pass, which is, to me, it's great. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make for chaos, but it's great. Yeah, no, I agree because I think it – it makes up for these players, like you said, being misevaluated. Like, like there are a ton of guys that get discovered in in that late evaluation period, in the spring evaluation period, and we've talked about it multiple times in articles and on the podcast with even guys that Memphis has evaluated in that period uh, with Penny Hardaway at the helm over the past couple of years. So, without that period, like you said, you get guys that are that are out of the level that they should be, whether it's up or down. Um, and so I think it's I think it's necessary for them to do this because if you have a guy that's misplaced and it's because of something that was out of his control and out of a school's control because they couldn't evaluate him, he should have the the ability to get transferred to another school and not have to sit a year. You shouldn't suffer uh, for something that was completely completely out of your control and had the you know the world's in a pandemic. I mean, there's there's no way that you can control that. Uh, a lot of guys look forward to that period to be discovered by high majors or. Uh, or like, as you said, you know, jump up a major or, or, or schools look at them to say, okay, they don't belong on this level. So it's, it's a very, very big period of recruiting. And without that, it's extremely necessary to allow these guys to be able to go to a school. And it gives these coaches an advantage because they can, like you said, kick the tires on a player, uh, bring a player in. And if he is not what they thought he was, or, you know, there could be a, a pleasant surprise where he's better than they thought they was. Uh, then they're able to shift him and move him around, and he doesn't suffer because of it. So I think I think it's a it's necessary. I think it's exactly what the NCAA should do and should allow these players to do, uh, because we're living in something that that we've never lived through before. So I think it makes perfect sense. But uh, all this talk about transfers, Brooks, we have broke down so many transfers that Memphis is after. Um, and you know, obviously, we've seen a couple go different ways with Alex O'Connell. Uh, a couple other guys that Memphis evaluated, Kevin Marfo, uh, committing to other schools. So who are some of the guys that are still left in the transfer portal that Memphis is is after and looking at at this point? Well, right now the the biggest name is a guy that will have to sit out one to play one, or actually he'll have three left, but he won't be in college basketball that long. And that's Virginia Tech transfer Landers Nolly. He's a, a, a redshirt freshman. He'll be a redshirt sophomore uh, after he transfers um, you know an elite level player that Tubby Smith actually identified early before he blew up uh, in his senior year and recruited to Memphis but you know ultimately lost out to Virginia Tech so that's one of the biggest names to look out for you know Memphis is constantly evaluating guys you know a guy that they were evaluating this week was uh ULM transfer Michael Ertl, but it looks like Ertl from everything I'm hearing both here locally in Birmingham and from a national scale, it looks like Ertl is probably going to follow uh, Coach Cross, who was hired as an assistant under Andy Kennedy at UAB. I think that deal has probably been done for a while and they, they just, you know, were waiting 
on Cross to be announced as an assistant. Uh, who else? What, what uh, Memphis was on Trey Murphy, but I think Trey, Trey Murphy, Murphy from Rice. Yeah, you know Trey Murphy was a guy that Memphis I think liked, but wanted to wait and see what shook out with the rest of the the high school senior class and what was going on there, and wanted to maybe try to take him in May. And Trey Murphy is a guy that just did not want to wait. Went ahead and, and you know narrowed his list down to four, and Memphis was not included. Who else? Who am I missing? Um, like I said, most of the like Kevin Morpho was definitely up there. Kevin Morpho was a guy that Memphis wanted extremely bad, and you know the the guy that comes to mind for me is Montres Harrell. Uh, you know he's just yeah big, broad shoulders. Moves people around, creates space, uh, underrated athletically, and just has a nose for the ball. And that's something that that Memphis could have really used this coming year. And I think that you saw that quickly after they missed out on Kevin Marfo, they moved they moved to the JUCO ranks in the Mod Rand. So, right. Uh, by the way, everybody, I think we've very clearly established. I'm horrible with names. So if if it's Ahmad Rand, awesome. I got it right. If it's Ahmad Rand, it's Ahmad Rand, and I got it wrong. And you know, we know I'm bad at names, right? Christian. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a common theme of the show. Brooks is not a names guy. I butcher, I butcher we, names. We, yeah, and we tend to deal with a lot of complicated names, so it happens from time to time. It happens. But Mor- Morpho ended up landing at Texas A and M, correct? Um, I'll be honest. I don't know. Uh, I did. I, I did. think so. Once I found out he was not going to Memphis, I kind of stopped following him. The funny thing is that Kevin Marfo's people were telling anyone that would listen that he wanted to stay close to home. And that's why most people thought that uh, St. John's was the most likely landing spot. And I think there was one other maybe, but it was it was northeastern schools closer to, you know, the Boston, New York, n- you know, northeast area. And he ends up in Texas, which is hilarious. So, yeah. yeah. Just, and then Alex O'Connell was another guy that they really wanted. And he's Creighton, correct? He announced his transfer to Creighton, um, which makes sense, but definitely one that Memphis wanted. Uh, and I, th- I think you said that evaluation changed a little bit over time, but they're obviously looking for these guards. And me and you have talked about this a couple of times. They're looking at a lot of guards that can sit a year, which a lot of people haven't made sense of that yet. So, Brooks, can you can you clear that up for people? Because I know I've had a lot of questions about why is Memphis going after all these guards and why are they all guys that have to sit a year? Yeah, so you look at it and, and think about it logically. Memphis has the chance that they could be losing a lot of their underclassmen guards after this coming season if they are as good as they think they will be. You know, if Lester Quinones continues to develop, he's a guy that could end up on radars. If Boogie Ellis has a breakout season, you know, like he he played towards the end of the year, he was tremendous. If he continues to develop, plays to the level that everyone expected him to coming out of high school, uh, you know, being an, an all-American type of guy, he could be gone. You have DJ Jeffries, who is, you know, offensively, He's gifted, and you know he can score. He's long. Uh, he is a guy that NBA scouts value. Uh, you know, when Memphis lands Jalen Green, and he goes 
pro after one year, they'll need an elite level guy in 2021 uh, to be able to come in right away and give them buckets. And so I think it's you're you're seeing here. Penny is learning lessons. Penny is realizing that you cannot rely on extremely young, fresh out of high school guards to come in and translate immediately um, from a mental perspective. Lots of turnovers with young kids. Um, you know, they have not played in those tight games. Memphis lost a lot of close games this year. Um, minus Tulsa. We, we don't want to go there. <laughs> but avoid that at all costs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's you're seeing the staff learning and adjusting, and which is a tremendous thing for me to watch from the, the distance, is these guys are trying to uh, change their approach. And I, th- I think it's brilliant. You, you have guys who come in, can help push eligible guys right away, uh, guys that can come in, Landers and Ollie can come in and, and push DJ Jeffries to be better in practice but not cause any chemistry problems because he's not fighting for DJ Jeffries' minutes. Uh, you know, you can get a guard to come in and compete with Jalen Green, make him better, push him in practice, but not not cause any problems because he's not taking away minutes from Jalen Green. And then the next year, what happens? The guy who set out is suddenly better because he went up against a lottery pick and, and he can come in after a year in the program, getting used to the system, getting his body right, and make an impact from day one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a perfect point. And like you said, uh, it's interesting to watch this staff develop because although you know everyone knows who they are, everyone knows that they have a lot of big names on their staff, they're still not extremely experienced at this level. So to see them layering guys... I think in Penny's first two classes, you saw him take, especially the first class, because it was rushed. He had to take a lot of guys at the end, which which led to transfers. It led to David Winget and Antoine Jones transferring. I think that's part of uh, you know eva- having to evaluate late, and then also just trying to grab everybody that you can because you're, you're trying to put a roster together that's not completely the team from the last year. Uh, and then in this past season, loading up at the guard position uh, led to a ton of competition back there, which is a good thing. Uh, but it also led to all these lineup combinations that it took them a, a, a major part of the year to figure out to say, okay, these players need to play together. These players need to be on the floor together. And it took them maybe halfway through the season, maybe a little bit before to figure out their rotations in the backcourt. So now you see this staff learning, okay, we need to layer this. We have to look forward to the future. So if we get this guy and we have these players, we're fine for next year but we need to bring in another guy because we know we have players that are going to be gone in the draft. So it's interesting to see the way the staff is progressing, uh, the way that they understand that they have to layer players. They have to, they have to know what they have on roster and they have to prepare for guys to leave. So it's, it's definitely a little bit of a switch in the way that they're recruiting and their philosophy and recruiting. Um, but Brooks, let's move on from transfers. You've dropped a couple, a couple hints along the way. Um, and, the next two, two and a half weeks are very big for Memphis. Uh, Jalen Green and Greg Brown are both expected to announce a decision soon. Um, so what's the latest on that without giving too much away? I guess you kind of already have. Uh, but what's the latest on that? And how, how important are these next couple weeks for Memphis and, and you know, kind of the future for them, especially next season? 
Well, yeah. So, you know, a week from today, you can go to, to GoTigers247.com, uh, click on the boards, sign up for VIP. Um, you know, with within the next week, I fully expect that Memphis fans will be elated without going into too much detail. And and here's what I will say. I, I'm taking every opportunity to screenshot any single and every mention from an Auburn fan. Uh, you know, I started about a week ago, and I'll be doing it for the next week so that I can serve up a massive plate of crow uh, because I love doing that, and, you know, everybody thinks that I'm an on spiteful and and I might be, uh, but that's what I plan on doing in about a week. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I will say. Um, but yeah, the next two weeks for this Memphis program are massive uh, from for multiple reasons. But here's what I will say: Let's say worst case scenario happens, the the world implodes uh, recruiting wise for Memphis somehow, and Memphis returns what they return. They get a mod rand, a mod rand. They get a couple other pieces from, you know, maybe the transfer market, um, and they call it a day. Guess what? Memphis is still going to be good. Yes, they need scoring replacing DJ Jeffrey. I mean, uh, uh, Precious Achua, but they've got a ton returning. Their guys are going to get better. You know, the way it was put to me is that you know every single one of these guys is expected to be better next year. And here's why. You think about a guy who's put in 50 pick-and-roll situations versus 500. Who's going to be better at pick-and-roll situations? Option B. Option B, every time, every single time. More reps, uh, more efficient reps, better reps, higher quality play. Every single player on this team, minus Precious Achua and Isaiah Maurice, return next year so you know obviously James Wiseman we're not you know that's not counting because we that that doesn't count we didn't know a season with James Wiseman to be honest um so for the most part this Memphis team was was good this year and that's with missing large chunks of time with uh with both DJ Jeffries and Lester Quinones so they're still going to be good what makes the difference is adding one or two elite level guys, and that's what Memphis hopes to do in the next two weeks. Greg Brown's going to be tough. You know, everybody is scrapping it out from for him. Uh, I had somebody laugh at me whenever I said this, but I honestly could see Greg Brown next year play his way in into the top three, possibly being the overall number one pick. He's just that good. And I think he's only going to get better with time. His ceiling is so insanely high. I think you're seeing it with this year's draft. People are looking for long, athletic playmakers that can that can really do things both on the perimeter and in the post. And he fits all of that. So you look, okay, could he could he jump a guy like Evan Mobley? Well, nobody thought Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball, we're going to be duking it out with James Wiseman for the number one spot, right? Yeah, so, no, I, I, I agree there. And I haven't I obviously haven't been doing this for as long as most people in the game, but I feel like I've watched my fair share of basketball, my fair share of high school kids. 
and I've seen I saw Jalen and Greg in person, and they are both legit like special talents. You see a lot of players, and he's good. He's okay. He'll he could be a pro. No, the, those dudes are legit elite. They're pros like, now. Yeah, they're pros right now. Like they could go play in the NBA tomorrow. Like, that's how good they are. I mean, those are all star caliber players in the NBA if they were playing right now. Uh, I mean, they're special talent. So um, it's definitely interesting to look at what the next two weeks could bring because even if you land one out of the two, like getting both is obviously best case scenario and national championship hype is back and you very, very well could be a national championship team. But even landing one of those guys completely changes your team. Like those are dudes that could go play anywhere and make a team pretty good. Like, I mean, we've seen some players do it, like Markel Foltz go to Washington and they absolutely sucked. But uh, I don't know. Jalen Green and Greg Brown are different types of players. Uh, I mean, they, they could go most places and make, make a team good. That's that's how good they are. They both have a, they're both elite, elite level athletes, like top caliber athletes. Uh, and and obviously two different players, Jalen as a two guard can bring the ball up the floor, can shoot, is incredibly athletic down low, uh, gets knocked for his defense a little bit, but I don't think it's as bad as some people say it is. Um, and then Greg, as you mentioned, I, I mean, either one of these guys could be the number one pick next year. That's how good they are. Yep. I can't, I can't, I can't say that enough. Like either one of those guys could go be the number one pick. Cause I've seen Evan Mobley, not as impressed as I am with Greg and Jalen. I think they're both better than Evan Mobley. That's me personally. Um, and they're they're right up there with Kate Cunningham, who's freaking ridiculous too. I've seen him in person, absolutely stupid. Um, but like Christian, you said, I'm Greg, I'm digging I mean, that Markel Fultz Washington mention. I, I'm I'm a little I'm impressed. I'll be honest. And with with that mention, it it's funny because is is Washington where elite level top twenty five prospects die? go to die? Like yes, <laughs> what like, in the world? Okay, okay. Here's the thing, like, Markel Fultz was still good. That team just sucked. But I watched Jaden McDaniels play in two All-Star games. Me and Kenny both did. And we were like, why in the hell are people saying this dude has the potential to be the number one overall pick? Like, he's not a bad player. He's like a good stretch four, maybe. But he was not. He's not the dude. Like, we could tell from the beginning. Now, Isaiah Stewart, he's going to be a top five, top seven pick, and he's awesome. But... Jaden McDaniels, no, no. You if you want to be <laughs> if you want to play on a good team, don't go to Washington because Washington was like Memphis this year. Like they were hyped up. Yep, absolutely. they had Jaden and Isaiah coming in, and they they pretty much sucked. <laughs> they weren't very good. Because right. I think I saw a tweet. I think I remember a tweet from you saying like, "Yep, watch out, watch out for Washington." Well, it was it early in the year. It was one of their first games, and they gave Baylor a massive run for their money. I mean, it was. I think it ended up an overtime game. Washington looked great. Uh, Jay McDaniel's looked good. Isaiah Stewart looked like a monster. And which he is. I actually retweeted it later in the year when Baylor was undefeated in number one and, and made fun of myself. So I, I can own my failures. Uh, like we just, you know, blatantly made fun of myself on the podcast with Alex Poitras. So Christian, let's take a break, get to some sponsors, come back on the other side, wrap this up. Cause we're already close to 30 minutes. I mean, hopefully you guys are still listening, loving this entertained somewhat, but let's take a quick break for some ads. We'll be back on the other side. 
All right, Brooke, so before we get out of here, got two things we want to talk about real quick. First thing is something I wrote about yesterday. ESPN and their latest mock draft included both Precious Achiwa and James Wiseman in the top 10. James was number two, Precious at number eight. This is something we talked about before Precious ever stepped on campus, so I want to get your thoughts on it now. How big is it for Penny Hardaway and the Memphis staff if Precious Achiwa does ultimately end up in the top 10 of the draft? I mean, it's massive because Precious Achua came in as a, a prospect. He came in as a guy who did not have a, a specific skill set, so to speak. Everyone knew he was an athlete. Everyone knew that he had potential. But to see him play out of position at Memphis and play so well out of position just shows how versatile Precious Achua could be. And especially given the amount of money and time that the NBA invests into developing players, you know, that that's the thing for me is I never understood when people were like, you know, Precious Achua doesn't, you know, necessarily uh, project well as, as well as he should for the NBA because of his shot or because of this or that, he, you know, his, uh, his loose ball handling or whatever. That's all stuff that you can develop. The NBA puts, you know, premium on developing guys. Just look at Giannis. Look at uh, Pascal Siakam. Look at guys like that that came in and they weren't as well-rounded as they are now. And Precious has a tremendous frame. He's a freak athletically. He plays hard. And you can tell he loves to play the game. And those are things that you cannot teach. Dribbling, you can teach. Shooting, you can teach to an extent. But, you know, it's massive for Penny Hardaway and Memphis because uh, they put him in a position where they said, you know what, we're just going to show, you're going to have to do what it takes to help this team win. And and as a result, it's going to show how versatile you could be. And, And that's because of what this coaching staff did. They put him in a position to to look good while not playing his preferred position. And that's why, you know, I have a, a younger adopted brother in high school who plays for Carrieville. And he's 6'3", 6'4". He's, uh, he likes to play the point guard. But at 6'4", almost 6'4", in, in Carrieville, he's one of the bigger kids. And he's constantly like, you know, what do I do? How do I develop? How do I make myself in a you know where I'm sometimes playing in the post but I need to develop my skill set and I, and I just say you know you you do the best that you can in the position that you're put on the floor you show you use those guard skills in the post you do what you can in the position you're put and then in your your free time you go out and develop the skills where you want to be you know where you want to be on the wing where you want to be a a 1 a 2 a 3 Go do that in your free time so that you can take a post to the perimeter. So Precious and the Memphis staff did that. Um, you know, they they allowed him to continue developing, help Memphis win a lot of games that they wouldn't have won without Precious being a double-double machine, and it's going to pay off. Yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of people may say, like, okay, he was projected as a lottery pick coming out of high school. 
but he was projected as a lottery pick coming out of high school based on his potential, not based on necessarily his body of work in high school. Like he could have come out this year and been horrible and he wouldn't even been on draft boards. I mean, he may maybe a team gave him a late first round flyer or an early second round flyer, or maybe he doesn't even get drafted and has to stay at school for another year, which has happened to plenty of players that were the number fifteen overall prospect in the country. And when you look at what he did and what the staff did with him and how they had to do it, because they didn't want him to play the five all year, and that's mainly what he had to play because of James. So I think it's part of the coaching staff, the way that they put him in his position, but the majority of it is him accepting his role, showing, I mean, he showed a lot this year. Let's, I mean, he averaged a double-double, led freshmen in double-doubles, led the conference in double-doubles. He he put together an incredible season, but he showed that he is the model teammate. He didn't, he didn't get pissed off that he had to play out of position. He went and handled his business. Uh, and and is now being projected anywhere from 8 to 12 to 15, somewhere in there. And when you look at, like you said, the things that he does have, the things that you can't teach, uh, like his unselfishness, his ability to be a good teammate, uh, his knack for the ball, and stuff like that, when you look at all the things that he does have, they're things that you can't teach. And then when you look at you know his athleticism, uh, his willingness to work hard, his motor, and stuff like that, it's not hard to see him being a very good NBA player, which I think is why teams have him so high. And, and if he doesn't have the mesh that he had with Memphis' staff, uh, I don't know if that comes to fruition. So it, it's huge for Memphis. Uh, it's huge for you know current guys that they're recruiting and future recruits that they can say, you know, we had this guy that that really could have went either way, and we turned him into a top ten pick. So it's it's great for Penny and the staff, and it's exactly what they need. Absolutely, and. Here, here's one thing I will say. Um, it's it's a recruiting pitch, period. Because Precious was a board. You said he was projected as a lottery pick. That's not true. He was projected somewhere between the fifteen and twenty range. You know, when you see, yeah, back in, yeah, back in. Well, yeah, not even back in. That would be you know twelve to fifteen. He was, you know, in some eighteen, some twenty. He wasn't even a surefire lottery guy, and now he's being talked about as a top 10 potential. And here's the thing. That all shifts depending upon uh, draft order, who trades up to get certain guys in need at those uh, teams. But, you know, let's be clear. Precious is being talked about as a top 10 pick potential right now because teams are now seeing – what he can do because of how Memphis used him. And that's all you need to be able to go out and tell a guy like Greg Brown, like a transfer, like a 2021 prospect, uh, you know, in order to, to convince them that they can do the same thing with you. Um, and Christian hit uh, an interesting report actually just came across while we were recording. Uh, Jeff Borzello from ESPN uh, just published a report according to a uh, D1 baseball uh, report that was put out that the NCAA Division One Council is expected to discuss the one-time transfer waiver on April 24th and then turn around and vote on that legislation on May 20th. The report says that the legislation, if passed, would go into effect immediately. And that's been a possibility, yes, you know, everybody's talked about it, but 
it feels like it's becoming more and more real. And if that happens and a guy like, you know, Memphis prioritizes a guy like Landers Nolly, if they miss on Greg Brown, that's massive. Um, it, it's massive. It now gives you way more options. All of these guys who are in the transfer portal and not grad transfers now become uh, hot commodities all across the country. It changes the game for recruiting in the summer of 2020. Completely changes the game. Um, so it's going to be really interesting over the next uh, four to six weeks to see how this thing plays out. But I will say April 24th is a big date for Memphis because that's when Greg Brown decides and when this thing is going to be discussed with the NCAA Division I Council. So um, just another side note to make sure we're discussing that since we're here already, right? Right. Since we're here, we might as well. So, yeah, that I mean, it kind of, it kind of uh, goes against everything that we were saying about preparing for the future, but if you can get a guy like Landers Nolly in next year, you're definitely going to well, take and- that. Even if it even if it messes up minutes, you're going to take that as a six seven two guard that was one of the best freshmen in the country. Well, it messes year. up minutes only if you get Greg Brown. You know, Landers right. Nolly is a guy who he's versatile enough that you can play him alongside DJ Jeffries. That that doesn't create oh, a yeah. conflict you, that, at all. That's um, you know Lester because they're very him him and him and DJ are very similar body style wise. So it's a guy that honestly could play the one through the four. Or two through the four. Yeah, the and you know, you slide Lester Quinones over to the two. You could, I mean, just imagine a lineup where you've got Jalen Green at point guard, Lester Quinones at two, DJ and Landers at the three and the four, and then you know, Malcolm Lance, Isaiah Stokes, Ahmad Rand, all those guys shoring up the five and rotating through there, and then who knows what's going to happen late with reclassifications and all that kind of stuff with the ACT and SAT looking like there might be, you know, kind of a nationwide allowance given to seniors headed to college and allowing them to enter their freshman year without a qualifying ACT or SAT score. There's been discussions. Uh, Georgia has passed some legislation. Uh, UC Berkeley, I think, passed some legislation saying that a the requirement was being waived for high school seniors this year. That changes the game for reclassification guys. So so much, you know, up in the air right now. It's just impossible to know how things will look in three months. So I guess what I would say is in the middle of this, you're stuck in your house. It's hard to find the the silver lining in almost everything right now. Um you know, it's been a ton of time with my family and it's been tremendous to make memories with my kids that I would not get to make otherwise. And with all of this stuff, with recruiting, it's like hard to, you know, how do we find the positive in all this? Like there's so much unknown. I would say like things in three months could be unbelievably better than you could have even imagined. So let's just take a deep breath, um, try to get through all this together uh, but before we go, Christian, I think you wanted to talk a little football, and I did too. Yeah, so the the last thing that we wanted to hit on, uh, the NFL draft 
is right around the corner. Literally, it's two weeks away, which is one of my favorite things of the entire year. So I'm extremely excited about the draft, even though it's virtual this year. Uh, I'm a draft nerd. Can't help it. Uh, And something that you sent me early this morning uh, was it was a top 30 running backs that are eligible for the draft this year. And Antonio Gibson was left off of the top 30. Patrick Taylor was what Brooks like twenty four season low number twenty three overall twenty three, and Antonio Gibson was left off the list. Antonio Gibson is going to make a lot of people look stupid and a lot of people look smart. If you have him among your top running backs and among players that could sneak into late rounds and and be an an, an immediate impact player or make a difference down the line, you're going to look smart. If you make a list like these guys did, and leave him off the top 30 running backs, you're probably going to look pretty stupid. I know that's pretty blunt, but that's just my opinion on it. I mean, this is basically the same thing that happened with Tony Pollard last year. People were torn on him because guys don't know how to look at players that aren't in one particular position. If a guy can play multiple positions nowadays and isn't quote-unquote a specialist at a certain position, some guys just tend to write them off and say, okay, he's probably not that good, but you look at what Tony Pollard did in a small sample size last year, and he became a pretty immediate weapon and had some really nice games, had two 100-plus yard rushing games in his rookie year, and he barely played running back in college, barely. I think he played in the Wake Forest Bowl game, him and Patrick Taylor split carries, and that was like his one full-time running back game, and that was it. Other than that, he was mainly a receiver, jet sweep guy, and then would take some carries out of the backfield. So when you look at A.G., a guy that caught passes, returned kicks, and played running back. Some guys don't know how to view that, and some people think it's going to be the next Cordero Patterson that can never find like a true role in the NFL. But Antonio Gibson is special. And all you have to do is go turn on that SMU film to see that that guy can make plays at any level. So that's my opinion, and as unbiased as possible, because I try to look at things as unbiased as possible. It's a guy I saw play for a couple years and think he makes – a pretty immediate impact in the NFL, whether it's special teams or immediately on offense. So it, it bothered me a little bit just because I, I've seen the potential that he has, and I think I think he sneaks in the fifth, sixth round and, and makes the team look very smart for drafting him. Yeah, and here's what I will say. You know, I'm not a football guy. You're, you're our football guy, and you're tremendous at it. I've kind of turned myself into a quasi-football guy, and from my amateur – advanced my advanced amateur football eye Antonio Gibson what he does is he does so many things really well and you you like you said you know the guys are scared to to look at a guy who's not really at a true position and I personally I think okay if this dude can be a really really good running back when he's giving given the opportunity if he can be a really good receiver when given the opportunity, if he can be a guy that does uh, kick returns or you know whatever, whatever he does, he does well. So if and when you you give him the opportunity to specialize or ask him to do one thing, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do it really well. He's going to do it really well. <laughs> so yeah, I think sometimes people overthink that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens to see if. AG jumps Patrick Taylor if you know if both of them get taken or or what but it's going to be an interesting draft 
to to now see so many specialized guys, so many uh, skilled guys from Memphis in the NFL after this draft. It's it's just becoming absurd how many skilled players uh, and offensive weapons Memphis is putting into the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we wanted to wrap up, but before we get out of here, uh, kind of like you were saying, we, we don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. We can't read the future. Uh, there are very smart people predicting what's going to happen, but even those are predictions uh, and and what we're trying to do, I mean, we try to do our small part. Obviously, we're we're very minuscule in the role of things, but uh, as much as we can, we try to provide relief. I mean, we we're putting out at least two to three articles a day when there's not much going on, just to try to give you guys some entertainment. We've had a ton of people reach out to us and thank us for that. That means that means a lot to me because that's what we work for is to entertain our fans. Uh, that's what we're here for is to give you guys information and and to keep you guys entertained. And I think now it's kind of more important than ever because everyone wants that escape. So that's what, that's what we've tried to provide over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's been fun for me and a challenge for me to come up with different stuff every day, but it's what I love to do and to try to provide you guys with entertainment is always fun. So uh, Brooks and I try to do our small part, our small role. If you look on the message boards, Brooks is throwing out information like crazy. Uh, I've been putting out a ton of information in the football recruiting thread. Like I said, two to three articles a day, uh, a ton of a ton of VIP stuff on recruits and stuff and articles like that, and then obviously the fun top ten articles uh, and, and anything that we can keep uh, to keep you guys busy and and to give you guys something to look at throughout your day. So that's that's my small little piece. Uh, jump on my soapbox real quick and and let you guys know that we obviously do love and appreciate everybody that that comes over and supports us and and checks out what we do because we're obviously very passionate about it. it's what we love to do. So as much as we can provide, that's what we've tried to do over the past couple weeks. Yeah, on that note, you know, we're we're 45 minutes into this thing and um I will say that the the most important thing to me right now is is my family and you know, I've I've done this for so many years now and so many of you that are listening to this podcast have been with me personally for over a decade and I'm I don't know why, but I'm like getting emotional right now like you guys are my family, and I, I want to make sure that you know your mental health, you're good right now, that you're that we're together like I am with my family every day, that um, you know you guys have a place to come and vent and talk and um, feel connected because right now, with being stuck in your house, we're not connected to our individual community. So you know that the community that we've built, with Go Tigers two four seven with Memphis Roar, um, for you old schoolers, is special to me. So check in, um, let us know how you're doing, and and just know that that we do care about you guys. We you know, I I spend too much time thinking about how I want to make sure that you guys have the best place online, and that's uh, probably an understatement. I mean, I spend a ton of time obsessing over how we can do what we do better. Um, so please reach out, stay in touch, um, you know, post, um, engage and, and find ways to get connected because, uh, right now it's more important than ever. So I just want to say thank you to y'all for sticking with us and being a part of our community, uh, for reading, for listening. Um, we don't, we don't do this without you guys. So thank you. Christian, before I cry, weirdly <laughs> enough, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Like, I, I got, you got anything else? I'm good. All right, I got nothing else. That's a wrap. 
Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 